Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We look back on Rally Finland and ask who Sebastian Ogier will drive for in 2019. It's been far too long since the Autosport podcast last got out the pace notes and took to the mud and gravel. So apologies for rally fans for the long absence, but we are back and the special stages and service parks to look in depth at the World Rally Championship. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me is our rally's editor, David Evans, who's never shy of applying a bit of bar into a hairpin. So David, what's been going on in WRC since we've been away? A very specific question to start on. Bar into a hairpin. From a, from a Formula One man, I'm very proud of you, Ed. That's a, that's a great line. When, when I, d- I did my rally license, I, d- I did contest one rally, the long cross stages yeah. in, a, in a Formula 1000 Nissan. I went and did the, the rally license test and the, yeah. the whole thing of going into a hairpin and using the handbrake but not the brake, it yes. was really, d- and I like pulling the handbrake on. It's, <laughs> we all it, that, do. that bit doesn't happen, but the, lying purely like on a handbrake for it was really because it wasn't that high speed approach it was really really hard and the, the instructor was giving me all sorts of yeah it's not well, easy it's, it's, it's hard maybe to we should, should we just leave WRC and talk Formula 1000 at Long Cross then well it's tempting isn't it it's tempting, tempting going but, down the tank traps great fun <laughs> but no uh, World Rally Championship it is 
It's absolutely at a, a real pivotal point. You know, we've come from Finland. Uh, we saw Sebastian Ogier take some points. He took six points off, um, off Thierry Neville. Um, so it's, it's right there. We've got five rounds remaining. Uh, and the championship could genuinely go either way. We've, we've not had, um, two drivers genuinely sort of fighting for a championship for quite a long time now. Okay. You know, you could argue last year it was quite close, but then Ogier had it sewn up, uh, in, in Wales. Um, so it is, it's very close. It's been 2012 since Sebastian Ogier was second in the championship going into the second half. So he's the, the sort of perception is he's 21 points behind. He's got it all to do. Um, there's undoubtedly there's an element of that. He's got five, ra- five rallies to make those points up. But for me, of equal importance is now what Thierry Neville can do to defend that position. Because, you know, we've seen, we saw him last year in Finland. He came away from Finland technically in the championship lead, although they were level on points. Uh, and that was a real opportunity and he fluffed it. You know, he went to, to Germany and he made a mistake. Um, and from there, the rest was history. You know, Ogier came back very strong uh, and won the championship. And if Thierry doesn't win this year, I would imagine that, that you know, he's a guy that really has great self-confidence. But I would imagine that would knock his confidence because 21 points ahead with five rounds remaining. You know, it, for me, it's his to lose now. Is the Hyundai the stronger car all round, do you think? Clearly not. You know, we saw in Finland it was off the pace. Uh, it doesn't, it, it's never, historically, it's never gone well in Finland on the fast, the wide roads where, um, you know, grip can be at a premium at times. But uh, I would say going to places like Turkey, GB, traditionally it's always gone well. Australia, you know, we saw great pace from Mickelson in, in Australia last year and then Thierry won the event. The balance in the second half of the year, I would say the Hyundai has probably got the edge over the Fiesta. Um, but there's still, there's more, the, the Fiesta's evolving. We saw in Finland, we saw they've got some new era at the back of Ogier's car. They've got some new dampers on the car. The teams are both worth, working flat out because they know, you know, that it's not good. You can't just sit where you are now. Everybody's moving on quickly and Toyota are coming as well. So I think the Hyundai is definitely a match for the Fiesta in the next five rounds. Um, so for me, it's perfect because it's just going to come down to what the drivers can do. Are we at the point now where it'd actually be better for the WRC, for Roger not to win? We had that great story last year with him winning for M Sport in the Fiesta, and that was brilliant because it was another mark for him to have success with. But it feels to me now that actually WRC would benefit from something else happening. I I think, in in all honesty, we can't lose now because if Thierry wins, like you say, it's a great story. It's not a Sebastian. For the first time in 14 years, we would have a driver not Sebastian. I think it was 1906 was the last one. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, it would be great. That would be a fantastic story. But equally, if Ogier wins, you know, we're in for a heck of a ride for the next five rallies for him to make up those points. Having said that, you know, Thierry could bin it in, in Germany uh, and Ogier could go to, to Turkey nine points ahead. Well, wouldn't that be dull? I always have in my mind that he's going to do that at some point. He hasn't completely yeah. ruined a rally yet this year. No, that's... So, that, so if, it feels like... It, I know it doesn't work like that, but it feels... That's is he, the point. Is he due one or is he, 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 is he just a more rounded driver? Has he learned from the, the near misses of the past now? I think he's learned. He's learned tremendously. Thierry has changed and evolved in the last two or three years. You know, two or three years ago, he was nearly kicked out of Hyundai. His attitude was all wrong. It was shocking, and the management absolutely took him to task over it and really laid it on the line. They dropped him from essentially the A team to the B team, um, and he recovered. He came back. Uh, the car came to him, um, and he's now a really strong guy. Um, so 
I think this time he's got it and he's he's going to put it all together um and he will he'll um he'll hold he should you know it's 21 points is a good lead it's a it's a good lead to take into the to the rest of the, to the next five rounds so no I think um he should be good and he has as I say he's he's really evolved uh, as a driver and he's he's strong you kind of get this, this sense now that he's ready to take Ogier on um whereas a few years ago he was a most of the drivers are in awe of, of Sebastian Ogier um understandably but and Thierry was always the chippy one that would would be there in his face but now there's some real substance to it he knows that he's got the pace the the issue that he's going to face is in places like Turkey where it's really hot first on the road you know you will pay a very high price for that um and the gap between running first on the road and second is is quite big so you know Ogier will definitely be in a much better position on Friday evening uh in Turkey if it all plays out as we'd expect um, so it, it's it's going to be fascinating. Absolutely great next five rallies. Well, having set the scene for the the World Championship battle, let's have a look back at Rally Finland. Actually, David, you've uh, you've done this work in advance. Yourself and Colin Clark sat down. I think it was uh, in the small hours after the end of the the previous round, Rally Finland, yeah. to discuss in depth goings on there. So we'll hand over to uh, Colin Clark and David Evans from the past. The fastest jumpiest rally in the calendar. Both myself and David Evans were there. David, I think I've just made a word up there. Jumpiest. What do you think? Jumpiest, I like that, Colin. <laughs> I, I, I could go with jumpiest. And actually, ironically, it wasn't terribly jumpy, was it? There were less jumps than uh, than ever this year. It was strange. It was strange. Let's talk about that first, David, before we talk about what was a sensational competition over the mm-hmm. course of the weekend. It was quite a different rally, Finland. We saw 42, 43% of the stages were new stages. A high percentage of that were these little small narrow roads, as you say, not really these wide, fast flowing, jumpy roads that we're used to. There was a very good reason for that this year. There was. Uh, essentially they were looking to, to lower the average speed, which for me, complete nonsense. You know, I'm sorry. I simply don't get that at all. Uh, and this, I love Finland. It's one of my, it is my favorite rally of the year, but this one I didn't enjoy. How can you enjoy Rally Finland without the Yellow House jumping on it? It, I felt we lost a bit of character, but then I tried to rally support for a, for a story along these lines in, in Autosport and MN. Couldn't really get the drivers to, to go for it. And Elvin was about the only one. He really didn't like the, uh, the narrow parts of the stages, but the rest of the boys, you know, they talked about the chicanes last year. They loathed those. So this is probably a preferable option. But uh, the one thing that they said to a man, you know, when you drive, say, Paella or one of these stages and you do 15, 16 kilometres of flat-out, super-quick road, and then you turn off at a junction and go onto a really narrow road that's much more technical, you know, how on earth does that make a stage safer? It doesn't, you know, you don't get to that junction and think, ah, oh, now we're safe, we're going on this more road. It's a nonsense, and it's got to stop, you know, this whole obsession with average speed is rubbish. We need to move on. No, I totally agree with you on that, and and that was the only uh, alternative, was to introduce chicanes into the stages, which, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know which would be the better choice, but the best choice is to get rid of, as you say, the obsession with the average speeds. But... Yes, we can look at that and say that was perhaps a bit of a negative with this year's Rally Finland, but my goodness me, there were plenty of positives, and perhaps the biggest positive was the performance of Oi Tanak. He went on to win the event, he won by 30-odd seconds, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. 30 seconds in Finland is a huge margin. Normally we're talking very small margins, but it could have been far greater than 30 seconds. 
he was superb and the Yaris was superb. But David, tell us about Friday, because Friday for me was where he won that rally. It was completely. And Friday morning, it, nobody expected him to do that. You know, he had absolutely no business setting times. First on the road, Neville was absolutely sacrificed. The gravel was so deep, it was so difficult. Augier struggled second on the road. Uh, and then Tanet comes along and it just makes them look silly. And we don't get that at this level of the, in the sport. It just doesn't happen anymore. And, and he did. He humbled these world champions and he was, absolutely sublime i can't remember you know we sat down at lunchtime we talked throughout the service box throughout the three days of when do you remember a driver coming along and doing what he did on on the friday it was absolutely sublime it was genuinely that good um and then he friday afternoon it was a bit more difficult it was you know the the road there wasn't as much in the road for him but then saturday he killed everybody again he really did. And on Saturday, he dealt with issues. You know, they had that steering issue on the Saturday. And this is what I like about the 2018 Tanak. Uh, you know, he drives with a very, very intelligent head. Doesn't do anything silly. Doesn't do anything reckless. Doesn't do anything rash. Uh, and he could quite easily have made mistakes, pushed too hard. He could easily have lost too much time with that steering issue that he did have, uh, particularly in the afternoon. But he didn't. He managed it. He controlled it, which was fabulous to see. He didn't even look ruffled. You know, we saw Latvala at the end of stages coming in. He'd rip off the balaclava, sweating like you've never seen him. Shaking before. like a Shaking. leaf. Yeah, which, I mean, that's not unusual in, in Finland with what they've seen. But Tanak, you know, balaclava off, gloves off. Absolutely cool. And joking. Joking, the line at the end of the opening stage on Saturday morning. So Saturday morning, he's got a far more level starting position with the guys he's competing against. Because effectively, he was competing against Osberg this weekend. But Osberg on day one was seven or eight places better off on the road. So he comes through and he's leading the rally. And he says to me at the end of the stage, uh, he said, no, 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 I, I've taken it very easy in that stage. I just want to check the pace of the other guys before I go for it out there. He was 10 seconds quicker than him, than everyone else. I, you know, do you know, I think he was almost genuine in saying that, but so relaxed, so confident in his own ability. But that's it. You know, he was, he was in this zone. He was George Donaldson and said it, he said it right. You know, everybody else was in the wave and he right now he's on top of the wave and he is just riding it. And he was. As I say, it's been a long time since I've seen a driver come to Finland, a place that it's really not easy to get in that zone and stay there. Um, but whatever he did, he got away with everything. And I don't think he put a wheel wrong. You know, he stalled with the, with the, with the engine issue or whatever, but there was nothing. He was, he was that good. No, you couldn't, you wouldn't take any marks off him for style or for performance because it was, it was exceptional. You've got to remember as well, you, you talk about, you know, riding that crest of the wave, how difficult it is in Finland. The greatest driver of all time, Sebastian Loeb. Remember when he won there for the first time? He said, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, he said, it's impossible to sustain that level of concentration, focus, and speed it scared him but he knew he had to do it to win it and the reason that it scares him is because this place if you want to win you have to get to that level and Loeb was great he could drive at 90% 95% he always knew he could get around the corner he got the margin if you want to win in Finland you've got to go outside of that you've got to go to 100, 105% something like that but you have to take yourself to a place where it's not very pleasant and you hold your breath and you almost want to shut your eyes. It's almost every corner, but 
I don't think he had to go there. This is a scary thing, and he did it in the most difficult circumstances on Friday. But you look back at everything, you know, in, in his preparations, you know, I was reasonably critical of the decision to go to Estonia. I didn't really see without Poland this year, I didn't see that, that it was going to work. Okay, it was great promotion for an Estonian driver like Tanak. But he went there, and he was given these perfect conditions of really deep gravel, first on the road, uh, and they built some jumps, and he came away from there absolutely match fit. Uh, and I spoke to him on the phone after Estonia, and he was confident. You could feel it coming through. Uh, the shakedown didn't work perfectly. Osberg quickest, but he never took his eye off the ball, and he was brilliant. You got to say, if we mention Estonia, remember we're talking about Rally Estonia that took place the week before. Three of our World Rally drivers went there, as you say, to get match fit, if you like. One of them was Tanak, the other was uh, Hayden Padden, and the third was Craig Breen. Hayden Padden had a magnificent rally, exactly the rally he needed, so it worked for him. Craig Breen, well, he had a good feeling he didn't perhaps have the rally because of various reasons, punctures, problems with fuel feed in the car. But that Estonian warm-up, you could argue, worked very well for all three of those drivers. And you thought it was a waste of time, David Evans. I did. And, and you know, we, we berated some of the organisers in Sardinia for building these jumps, these man-made jumps. Irmo Arva built, he's an Estonian rally driver who now runs the event, built 28 of them. I mean, and didn't just stick them in the middle of the road. He put them in corners to, to create some angle on the cars and did a great, great job. Uh, and for me, you know, if there was a space, I, I think from what I've heard, this it, this rally Estonia should probably be in the world championship. Uh, it's it's at that sort of level. Well, that's a big shout indeed. But uh, you know there are there are a few rallies that are vying right now for spots in the calendar. Let's talk about Mads Osberg. We mentioned him earlier on. He's the man that surprisingly, more than surprisingly, astonishingly yeah. pushed. Uh, Tanak all weekend. It was ding dong on the Friday. I think Osberg led at four different points on the Friday. It just went backwards and forwards. Uh, you know, you spoke to him. I sat in and listened to that lovely interview that you did with him after shakedown. And he explained very, very well why he thought he had a chance here this weekend, why they'd gone so well in shakedown. Kind of came away thinking, well, you're telling a good story, Maz. It sounds good, but it's not going to happen because you're not at that level. Well, goodness me, he proved a lot of people wrong. He did, absolutely. You know, we, we talked a lot about the new geometry at the front of the car, uh, in the Citroen and, and that was part of the, the advance that he made. But he also worked the differential so well. He turned that car around, um, because Chris, Meek and, and Craig would drive the car in quite a different way. They would go into the corner with a bit of understeer, whereas Mads kind of likes to back it in and, and just drive it in, in quite an aggressive fashion. And he couldn't do that with the car previously. Uh, and he found a way with a setup, um, in his, in his Finland test. And as he said in that interview, you know, the first day of the test, they changed, changed, changed the car at every point. And then he found it and it worked. And like you say, you know, we've heard this a little bit with, with Mads before and, and in Sweden this year, he was quickest at shakedown and you kind of build up and you think he's coming and then he's kind of let us down or, or he's been let down in, in the past. But here, my goodness me. Oh, it was astonishing. And we didn't see it coming, you know. When, just to say, I mean, when, when, when Chris left Citroen, when Citroen got rid of him, uh, for, for the reasons we've been through before, I thought that's it for Citroen. You know, Craig is absolutely capable. He won the Uria stage here. You know, that's, that takes a massive talent to do that. But for this year, I thought that's it. They can't win a rally. 
Um, and I wasn't sure that what Osberg could do with quite a different car, but he came in and he took us all by surprise. He really did, and probably driving best than he's ever driven in his career. He's maybe been there once before on Rally Sweden, but we would expect mm. that. He's a man from the snow and ice. Uh, you know, to come to Finland and put in that performance, Mads Osberg has to go away with a huge amount of credit. It was quite remarkable to see him competing really in this morning as well on the final day mm. you know he got himself into a fight with Latvala for second place and he fought off Latvala uh, you know and we, again you kind of think well this is where we're going to see uh, you know the parity being if you like the whole thing returning is that the saying returning to parity whatever it is and Latvala will walk away with it he didn't and Osberg kept him behind him great stuff but David Evans I think we have to move on now to talk about the championship because what a weekend it was for the championship. Tanak takes 30 points. Does he bring himself back into the battle? I think he does. 42 points off our leader. Our leader is still clearly Thierry Neuville. Ogier closed the gap to, I think, 21, 22 points. It's getting interesting. Neuville, for me, was very, very disappointing this weekend. Yes, he was first on the road. Yes, he supposedly had problems with his car, although Padden didn't have any problems with his car. I was a little disappointed by Thierry Neuville this weekend. We need to see him rapidly returning to form in Germany, or he might start to feel some pressure. I I could see that, but I do think he will find his feet again in in Germany. I think absolutely. You know, last year it was different. He was presented with an open goal in Finland, and he missed by miles. Uh, and but he went to Germany level on points. Now he's got he's got a buffer there. He he knows that he doesn't ab- absolutely have to win that event. He was disappointing. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. But. To go back to your original point, Tanak, I would love to see the guy in the championship fight, but you look, okay, he won Germany last year. He could win Germany again. Personally, I think he'll, he'll struggle, um, to no. win Germany, but I've got to say the one I think he'll struggle more is, is Turkey because, you know, we saw in Argentina, we saw in Argentina the speed and then we got to two roughish rallies suddenly and he struggled. Is it, well, we don't know that Turkey's going to be a rough rally. You know, I was there last year at the Canada event and what was interesting was I actually went round with Michel Mouton because they had to find some extra kilometres. They had the candidate event, which had round about, uh, you know, you need round about 150 kilometres, don't you, for a World Rally Championship event, and you double that because you have two passes. They had something like 80 or 90 kilometres, so they were looking for another 60 or 70. Uh, the organisers took us through some stages which were very, very smooth. There were lovely tracks, others which were already exposed bedrock. Mm. Uh, and Michelle wanted the bedrock stages, and she wanted them left as they were. If that's the case, is that, if that's what we've got, and I don't know what we've got, then it'll be rough. But there was a fair amount of smooth stuff there. It's very much an unknown. My view is that Tanak will be the man to beat on every gravel rally till the end of the year. If he gets a good result in Germany, mm. you know, they will all have to up their game to beat him. But that does depend on the car. I will give you that, David well, we Evans. Did, we did say exactly this in April. You know, I remember sitting here writing these stories about how, you know, he was going to redefine... Yeah, but listen, but, but they, they went the wrong way. I almost said something rude there. Very rapidly, in, in Sardinia it was what, stage one. Uh, in Portugal it was stage one or two as well. It was suspension yeah. failure. You know, you could say the one in Sardinia. I think the one in Sardinia was where he hit the rock on the second stage. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, for, for me, that was, but that was a big error of judgment. You know, you could mm-hmm. see that rock from a long way off yeah. and he did, elected to take the line rather than going around it. Big, big error of judgment. But the car stopped. Mm. You could argue maybe the car should have dealt with it. Um, you know, if that car does find a little more reliability, 
I can see him going to Australia. Well, I can see us going to Australia with three drivers and with a chance of winning the title. I, I could see that, but I think if we do, Danax would be a long shot. Um, and right now, I think the work to be done is, is for Sebastian Auger and for M Sport. You know, they, he struggled this weekend and, and there was, he said there was no speed in the car. You know, they were all slow, but there was some speed we saw, you know, Sunderland set sometimes there was, I kind of think that it got to, I think Finland is in the head of Auger and Neville right now. Uh, they both struggled like hell. Obviously, Seb crashed last year. Um, and I think when you're in that place and also when you're not absolutely at the front and fighting immediately, you can't get there on day two in Finland. You've got to be there from the start and you can't join this fight in Saturday morning. What's interesting, let's just talk about the setup on Ogier's car in particular because uh, it's very strange. They changed the aerodynamics, but at the same time, they decided to change the shock absorbers. They changed supplier of shock absorbers just on Ogier's car. Now, you mentioned earlier on, we had George Donaldson in the service part, the exporting director, uh, ProDrive, the team uh, manager at the uh, Toyota World Rally team in the past. Uh, George noticed something very interesting in the media zone. The media zone is where the cars will sit and wait before they go into service, and they can be there for 15 or 20 minutes, and the drivers will spend that time talking to their engineers. I couldn't get an interview with Ogier, but my cameraman had a, a shot of him. And what I was saying in the commentary was, that's a very strange look on his face. We've seen anger, we've seen frustration, we've seen joy on Ogier's face. But it was bewilderment. It was bewilderment on his face. Now, I came away and spoke to George, and George said, but did you see what he was looking at? Yes. I said, no, 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 I had no idea what he was looking at. He said they had shock absorber graph books mm. in front of them. And George said, the minute a driver is going through those graphs during a rally, you know it's game over because that's just, it's just detail beyond what you can cope with. Chasing your tail, aren't you there? You know, when you're looking so deeply into something, this is the point with Finland as much as anywhere, you have to feel it. You know, you can look at the data, but you know, that you get it almost through the seat of your pants, that feeling that the car's right. And that, you know, we talked about Tanak. He found this damper that really worked in Estonia and he said that was it. He didn't change a thing. Uh, and it worked. And, was it the right move to go with the, with the sax dampers? I don't know. I don't know how much testing that Ogier's really done on them, but you know, clearly he felt very comfortable on those dampers in the, in the Volkswagen. But this is a different car. And, but who are we to question? You know, they, these people make their living making these rally cars great. And I, I don't know, but there was a lot changed on that car. Um, and I kind of feel that the hardware's all there. I think there is definitely something in, in Sebastian's mind with, with Finland, just like there is with Thierry. Um, and I think we'll see different drivers when we get to Germany. I think you are absolutely right. We will see different drivers when we get to Germany. Well, that was Rally Finland, another absolute classic. Huge amounts of fun, as David mentioned there. Next up is Rally Germany in a couple of weeks' time. It's been a lot of fun. Follow all of the previews on Autosport or Motorsport News for Rally Germany. And don't forget that the best reports from all of those events are written by the best journalist in the WRC, David Evans. Looking forward already to Germany, David. Well, thanks to Colin Clark and to David Evans for the past for that. David Evans in the present. Toyota, we were kind of expecting them to have a, a big push for the championship this year. Well, well, I was anyway, maybe the, the more informed one necessarily. We see how competitive the car can be. Tanak, obviously fantastic in Finland, won in Argentina, then seemed to go a bit off, off the rails. So 
he he's almost in the championship fight, although he's probably a few too many points far back. He's one hundred and seven points to Neville's one hundred and fifty three, so he's not quite there. But what what's I mean, I was going to say what's gone wrong for Toyota, but quite a lot's also gone right. So where are they? I think you're probably quite right. You know that some has gone right and some has gone wrong. You know, without Tanak this year, the year would have looked very different. You know, he's brought he's bought them two wins. You're quite right in Argentina. Uh, he found this searing pace that, you know, we were all sort of standing back and looking at what he'd achieved and, and really predicting that he would play himself right into the championship fight. And then it went wrong in, in Sardinia and wherever else we went. Uh, Portugal, Portugal, of course. Uh, and he had these two early failures with the car. Um, was it his fault? That, you know, there's rumors that he'd asked to run with a lighter weight, uh, sump guard and, and less protection on the car to make it lighter, which is completely understandable. Uh, should the car have withstood the impacts? I, I don't know. Um, that remains to be seen. But the fact is the car's got the pace on, on the right rally and in, in the really quick stuff, it's absolutely there. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see when we get to the rougher rallies, such as Turkey and potentially sort of GB as well and Australia. What can it do? As we heard from Colin, you know, he's adamant that Tanak's in the championship fight. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, 46 points is a, is a, is a big ask uh, to come back to. But for me, one of the disappointing aspects is that Toyota hasn't really picked up and pushed on from where it was last year. I, like you, thought they would be absolute championship competitors this year. They've got a strong lineup. You know, Lappy, okay, he's a, he's a new boy, but he showed his pace with winning Finland last year. And Yari Matilavala, nobody more experienced um in the championship and it just really hasn't it hasn't worked for them uh i would say the car's among the quickest but it's also amongst the most fragile um so to answer the question i i personally can't see him really getting back into the fight um but i could see him being extremely strong next year it's just maybe a case that expectations are almost too high obviously the start of last year the second and the first early on and that raised expectations so we thought year two yeah championship contenders so maybe we should say actually second year for what actually is effectively a start-up team Mm. the way it's been done uh, under under Tommy McAdam should we actually say being able to win on their day and maybe being a little bit erratic a few reliability problems is perhaps where a team should be in its its second year at least par should we say I think so you know if you if you wind back and look back at, at Toyota's last major motorsport global motorsport endeavor you know formula one it, it i don't know were they nine years or something without a win and so to do what they did last year was phenomenal um and they're still learning you know mexico they went back to a high altitude round they thought they'd fixed all of the problems with the cooling and everything and clearly they hadn't you know there was still an issue this year so they are still learning and the trouble we have in the wrc is that some of these events are quite specific in that you can't test in mexico so you can't you can put the car on a dyno or whatever or or in the climatic chambers and it will give you the feedback of what the car might do at a certain altitude but unless you're driving it uh, in the heat, in the altitude, in everything. You need that testing. You need those events. And that's where, a, you know, a team like M Sport, they've got, and Citroen, they've got such experience. You know, they've got 10 years of data from Mexico to call on. Um, and Toyota are lacking that. You know, they didn't, when Volkswagen came into the championship in 2013, they went to Mexico for two weeks or something and spent two weeks driving the Polo in 2012, testing, testing, testing all the time there. Hein, uh, sorry, Toyota didn't have time to do that. That's where, you know, they were found out in Mexico last year and this year. But gradually, they're coming more and more data, more and more experience. And next year, they'll be that bit quicker again. So I think next year is realistic. So, yeah, I think you're quite right. You know, it's it's fair to expect them to win some events like they did in Finland, uh, Argentina. 
Um, but there will be some erratic performances as the year unfolds. And we'll get on to the, the driver market for 2019, which has a few interesting possibilities in a minute. But just worth talking about Sebastian Loeb. Obviously, he's made a few appearances this year. Has he got one more, I think, this year? He's got one more. He's coming to Spain. There was a lot of talk that he was going to come to Germany. Um, he was good. He was quick there in the past, wasn't he? he absolutely. He well, was quick everywhere. That's, he was quick that's everywhere, not a yeah, But yeah, I always absolutely. associate that as a rally yeah. where he's particularly mighty. Yes, absolutely. That was that was the first win for him, and I think he won eight straight or something like that. You know, it, Germany was one that he absolutely mastered. It was okay, so my vague impression is rooted in reality. That's always a bonus. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he lived. He lives. He came from Alsace, which is just over the border. Um, so he he knew that environment and everything. And yeah, he was great. It would have been really nice to see him in Germany, but he made it quite clear that he's going to the beach. He's on holiday. Uh, so he's not he's not going, uh, but he will do Spain, which is a nice one because he'll get a day on gravel um, and then two days on tarmac. So Spain, he could very definitely he could win Spain because you know he'll start from a really good place uh, on the road. So if it's dry in Spain, because let's not forget Spain is much later in October this year, um, so that you know you you can be prone to rain in that part of the world at that time. If it rains, it'll be very difficult for him. But if it's dry, he could have a 30 second lead at the end of Friday um, and then he's no slouch on tarmac as you just said so a win in Spain is possible but I think it's a shame because he came back and he he was fantastic in Mexico awesome in Corsica apart from the the moment when he went off the road obviously but then he came back set fastest times and it's kind of given us a glimpse as to what we could have had you know we didn't need him to carry on after 2012 we needed him to stop then we needed a break from Sebastian Lowe but for him to come back, it's been a real story through this year. Um, and it would be nice to have it next year. It'd be nice for him to come back and do the whole championship. And for maybe him, Auger, Neville, you know, Tanak, all of these boys to get back in the mix and measure themselves against the guy who was the absolute master. But I don't think he'll be back. Uh, I think Spain will be it. Is that just because he's he's 44? This is, this is behind him. I mean, could, I mean, could he continue to dabble a little bit? Is that, <sighs> no. is that an option? Well, no, Sitchin basically saying, look, you come back full time or you... Or essentially but the decisions made at a sort of higher level in the PSA group um but it, essentially it's Loeb's decision uh he came back at the start of this year he's he's really into WRX he's really enjoying the rallycross with with Peugeot but he'd got Dakar so he did Dakar then he had uh, WRX testing then suddenly he was doing uh, Mexico so he had a Mexico test then he got Corsica he got a Corsica test he was busier than he'd ever been and that was exactly not what he wanted he wanted to relax and you know have time away from the sport uh and i think that first half of the year that those two or three intense months have really sort of turned him off because what what Loeb traditionally hated was to travel um he loves the driving loves the sport of rallying probably more than anything else but he hates everything that goes with it you know he goes to an rx round and probably arrives at the track on a friday and he's left on a sunday night you know, whereas with WRC, you're arriving there for you've got at least a week, eight or nine days, including the recce and everything. Um, so no, I think we've after Spain, you know, we'll see him do the occasional thing um, just off his off his own back. But I, I think this could be it for him. It'd be nice if he could get one more win, wouldn't it? That would yeah. kind of round off the story nicely. It would absolutely. It would, and it would really sort of spice Spain up as well. Um, it would be it'd be a great result, great way to sign off. Because let's not forget in. Where was it? 13. He came back and did those few events with, with Citroen. Um, and he rolled in Alsace. Um, and we all thought, you know, that's the end. And do we wave goodbye to Sebastian Loeb upside down? You know, that's not right. 
So the chance to come back and win Spain and, and wave to us all from the top step of the podium would be would be great. Is that the first time you rolled a rally car? I, th- I have a vague recollection of him rolling a Zara. But that might no, have been a okay. test. But he didn't. He didn't roll them often, did he? No, exactly. Exactly. He was a uh, well, still is a very special driver. Obviously, uh, back in his glory days when he was winning every championship for about fifty years. That's what it uh, <laughs> yeah. what it felt like. But well, if we say Loeb isn't really a factor in the driver market, there's another Sebastian who is. Yeah, uh, Sebastian Ogier. He seems to be a Citroen target. So I guess he's the the kingpin in the yeah. 2019 driver market. So what what's going on with him? And then what are, what are the knock on effects? Who's who could move? Who's set? lay out the uh, the you're, landscape you're absolutely right there you know it, it's all about Ogier at the moment and until he decides um where he's going and what he's doing he, that's a little bit unfair because Thierry there's essentially there's two guys with with a deal for next year that's Andreas Mikkelsen and Oik Tanak um they've both got a contract uh exactly what Mikkelsen's contract I asked the team management um in Finland, what does this mean? Does does Andreas do every round? And they wouldn't be drawn on that. So, you know, we've seen Hyundai mix and match their drivers this year. So maybe Mickelson does some of that next year. I don't know. But he's got a contract. Ogier is a target for everybody. You know, we should absolutely expect that he'll get an offer from all four teams. Um, whether he'd want to drive alongside Thierry Neville, I, I don't know. Whether Thierry would want him to drive alongside him, I don't know. Um, but for me... It, I would imagine that, and having spoken to Sebastian, he wants to stay at M Sport. You know, he really enjoys the way they work, the family environment. He enjoys the fact that he doesn't have 15 to 20 PR days. You know, I think he has two or three, and then he has his his work with Red Bull. Um, And the fact that, like Loeb, he can arrive later at an an event. So Seb would arrive, you know, much later than than most people, just in time to start the recce. Uh, he's a family man now, you know, he's, his time's really precious to him. And going back to a manufacturer would bring back all of those demands on your time, um, which he doesn't want. Especially if he went to something like Citroen, which yeah. has got a lot of work to do. A, a lot of work, a lot of testing, and a lot of, you know, to be with a French manufacturer as a Frenchman, it would bring a huge amount of, of demand on your time. So it, he's going to now weigh it all up. What, the, what's, the, what's the appeal of Citroen for him? Just because uh, it seems a realistic possibility, but it, from what you just said there and everything, you think, well, it, it, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's mm. not the best car. It's you know, what, what, I think why, that for why me, might he go for it? If Citroen are prepared to take Ogier, it's a statement for the next two or three years mm. because what they won't do is they won't take Ogier on a single year contract and chuck a bit of money his way and do nothing with the car. He wouldn't go for that. He would go for the money. Uh, and, you know, Sebastian, like all drivers, is very motivated by money, and rightly so. You know, he understands his value. Well, when you're the best, you should be paid accordingly, shouldn't you? Absolutely. So, so That's when- what I say when I'm negotiating my podcast hosting <laughs> fee, of course. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later, my fee. <laughs> it's a negotiating position that hasn't done me much good in the past, so I think maybe I'm uh, I'm slightly overestimating my ability far more not, than Not uh, at all. I think when you're Sebastian Auger, you can be secure in your, yes. in your value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's kind of the point is that you know he he knows his value um so he knows what he wants from citroen but he will want to know that he's going there to a car that's going to have continued development um and as i say i'm i'm not sure there are pros and cons with the whole french thing it brings that extra weight of expectation from a nation um I don't know. But yeah, Citroen for me, it's a statement. If they get, if he goes there, he's going there to win with them. Uh, and it's, it shows that they're there for the future because without Auger, you know, Craig Breen, fantastic driver and absolutely we could expect him, expect him. It's possibly could win one of the, the next five rallies. 
he we should expect him to win next year. Mads Osberg, you know, has come out of nowhere in Finland. Um, he could win one of the next five rounds. But who is Citroen of those two? Do we have a championship challenger for next year? Probably not. Um, and Citroen need that, you know. They, they need uh, an absolute number one driver. So, you know, there's talk that it could be Lappy, it could be, it could be Neville. Um, personally, I think Neville will stay at Honda, uh, Hyundai. Um, and Toyota, I, I have a feeling that they'll stay. They'll, they'll keep what they've got, you know, Tanner. Include, including that fellow who's had a I think so, season. yeah. Because Yari Matti gets on very, very well with the Japanese. They love him. And, you know, let's not forget this guy's got so much experience. And when everything's working, he's got so much speed. You know, he could win one or two rounds a year for sure um, next year. And Tanek and Lappi get on very well. They work very well together. Uh, so I, I can't really see, unless Auger could come in. And, you know, I talked to Tommy about this. And Tommy said, you know, my ideal driver lineup for next year is Sebastian Auger, Thierry Neville and Oit Tanak. Perfect. But Tommy himself recognized that the, the damage that that could do to the sport. You know, that it would be a whitewash next year. Um, expensive too. Expensive, but you know, that's le- perhaps less if we're, if we believe what we're, uh, what we're hearing is less of a problem for Toyota. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's great that people like Tommy understand that, you know, they have a responsibility, if you like, to the sport as well, to try and keep things fair. Um, and at the minute, Citroen are lacking a, a lead driver. Talking of Citroen, does, does Chris Meek factor into anyone's, consideration obviously we, we haven't had a podcast since he was yeah. uh, unceremoniously removed there was some controversy about the way mm. that happened but he is a, a proven rally winning driver yeah maybe he's as, not maybe he's not seen as a championship winner but you know we know you if know, you put the, him in a car he he is good for a win or two it's exactly yeah. what you know Hyundai team manager Alan Panas said you know you'd have Chris because he he'll bring you one or two wins a year there's not many drivers that you could guarantee that you can with Chris but you know, he, ha- he had some issues. Um, and let's be fair, the Citroen had some issues as well. Uh, personally, at the minute, I haven't spoken to him. So I don't know what his plans are at all. So it would be unfair for me to comment on whether, it, you know, what his intentions are, whether he wants to come back. I'm sure he would love to come back, but whether he can or not, I, I don't know. And after the way that he, he was um, dropped by Citroen, it could be quite difficult for him to come back. Um, but for sure, one thing is absolutely sure that the sport needs him. You know, we don't have enough characters. You know, we went to Finland. We missed him so much because you just never knew. You know, the guy won in 16. Um, and we need as many potentially rally-winning drivers as we can. I mean, looking at it from the outside, it strikes me that you always have this scramble for the the top couple of drivers. Mm. And then once that's happened, teams are then looking from the kind of next tier down. And yeah. Chris Meek's got to be considered in that, given his, given his pace. So I, so I guess surely somebody's going to be phoning him up. And, uh, and, uh, I, I would and, absolutely and, and hope trying so. trying to get him in because they'll have, they'll have use for him. And I, I would certainly have categorised him in, in at the top tier as well because you know there's well, no. I'm thinking top tier as your your proven championship yes, winners slash okay. contenders. Yeah, which he hasn't yeah. quite been able to be. No, he hasn't. It, you know, he's not he's not shown himself with a complete package over the whole year. Arguably, he's not had the car under him to do that. Um, but yeah, it it would be great. And as a sport, we need him back. And looking ahead, we've got uh, Rally Deutschland starting on the 16th of August. It's a fairly well-known event. We know what to expect from that, uh, from that one. But then we've got uh, Turkey, 13th of September, the, the round after. Yeah. 
that one we don't know quite so much about what to expect. We don't. It's okay. Obviously, we've been to Turkey before. Uh, we've done two in two places. We went in Antalya and in Istanbul. Um, but we haven't been there since, I think it was 2010. Um, and we are now going to a, to a completely new place. Um, was, that, was that the year that it was the, the, the volcano caused yes. problems? You had yes. To, you had to hitchhike back or something. It, it was a, a three-day bus ride. Uh, all the way home, which was uh, which was not the most pleasant. That's another podcast. And it's I'd have got back itself. from the Ch- I got back from the Chinese Grand Prix quicker then. How on earth? But oh, you took a plane. I went and spoke to a man with a plane. Yeah, uh, so. it's, I went to That's speak to a man a with a bus. It was, it was a passenger one. That though, speaks yeah. volumes about us, doesn't it? Our ambitions. I <laughs> talked to the bus. You talked to the plane. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, it's it's the first time back. We're going to Marmaris, uh, which my Turkish geography is not ideal, but I think it's on the west coast. Um, and from what I understand, it's a, it's a, they ran a candidate rally last year. It's a good mix of, of stages. Most of them in the mountains, some of them quite rough, but some quite nice, wide, quick sections. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a new one. Always exciting to go to a new event. Um, and a complete unknown with this one. Is, is this kind of event something that certain teams might put extra focus on? Because obviously knowledge and understanding can be can be gained by doing certain things. Will anyone have done that or is it just going to be a, another round for everyone? Is it, could we expect it to produce surprise, not just because it's a bit new for people, but also maybe because somebody thinks actually that's an this, event we can really target and work on a setup we think will work there? Because there's all sorts of the black art of yes. shock absorbers and everything in, in rallying. Huge, there, huge deal. There is, but because nobody's testing exactly in that location, uh, it's a real shot in the dark for them all. Every, all of the teams sent out a representative to the candidate event, so they all drove the route. They all have a good idea of what to expect. Um, but that was 12 months ago. You know, they've had a winter since then. The roads have evolved quite a lot since then. So it's that's the fascinating part for me when we go to this new event is that nobody really knows until we get to shakedown on the Thursday exactly what to expect. So um, your setup is... You know, it could be a mix between Sardinia and Australia, and and but you've got to be ready to to really fine tune it. Um, so Friday morning we could see some real head scratching, and I think from what I understand, Turkey it's a different nature of stages on each day. So you know what works on a Friday won't necessarily work on a Saturday. So yeah, it's what we're going to see is is the team's ability to be flexible with the setup uh, and to evolve very quickly as the event starts. That's that's where success will come in Turkey. Well, it's good to get a good overview of uh, current goings-on in, in the WRC, but we're actually going to finish by going back into the past. This is, again, David Evans from the past. Uh, in Finland, you caught up with Marco Martin to talk about his famous victory in uh, Rally Finland back in 2003. And great to hear from him because he's a yeah. he's a driver that's quite easy to forget about, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yeah, very quick driver, yeah. but he, he retired, what, 12, 13 years ago now. He retired very young. But he was an absolute ace he for, was, for a he period. He was right there, Marco, on, on his day when he was tuned in with the car. You know, that 03 Focus was his car uh, and he could have been a world champion. Absolutely. And he's he's a great guy. And he's, he, you know, I'm not sure. Do you have many friends in the championship? I don't know. But I would consider Marco a friend. And he's he's a really good guy. And he's got such an insight into everything and particularly into, into Oitanek's career. You know, he's, he's looked after him. Uh, he probably wouldn't, I'm not sure if he's his manager or I don't know what he'd call himself, just a friend really now. Uh, but to get Marco's insight into, into what, into what Oit did in Finland 15 years after he'd done it himself was, was really nice. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Marco, how, how important for you in terms of your career was that, uh, was that victory here in Nevascular? Yeah, I think it probably opened a little bit more doors after that for me. 
to get a good contract for the for the future. But I think more than anything, it was just interesting uh, and important to to win uh, Rally Finland because by uh, by that time there were not so many foreign winners, so it was quite special. And obviously, I mean Estonia is close by; it's a, it's a neighbouring country. It was it was a big deal back home as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, at, at the time, it, there was quite a lot of following uh, what's going on in the World Rally, and uh, like the TV was quite strong at that time, so people knew what was going on, and uh, yeah, it looked like a lot of people made effort to come over their water and uh, and follow the rally, including the Prime Minister, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, and has has he come today to to celebrate Oit's victory? Uh, I think this time they didn't come over, but I, as I understood, uh, at least it was a phone call. Ah, okay. Well, that's uh, that's the next best thing. But moving on to uh, to Tanak, you've you've had a, an interest in his career for quite a long time. I mean, take us back to what was he like when you first met him? I mean, our, our history goes back many many years now. <laughs> if you look back, we have been through many, for any many interesting and. Um, Challenging moments, uh, sort of some some real ups and some real downs. Uh, it's been a roller coaster, but I don't really care where it started from. I, I'm more interested in what's happening right now, and uh, right now he's he's doing a really really good job. So there is no question he's one of the fastest right now. So it's it's just a pleasure to 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 sit down and enjoy the enjoyed the um, show that's been put on that's I mean that for me is one of the big things he has so much speed you know we saw him uh, Friday morning here in, in Finland he demolished the opposition from a place really where he had no business doing that didn't he yeah I mean he, he made it clear to everybody uh, from the beginning that uh, you know he, he's serious about winning this rally so um, and uh, in, in a way it probably made it difficult for him I, I imagine that uh, you know very early on it was clear this rally was for him to lose not to win so it uh, <laughs> must have been tough to, to come through all the stages uh, with a sort of main, mainly looking at um, you know make sure you don't make a mistake or have a problem so in, instead of worrying about uh, having to speed to win it so have you ever seen him drive better I mean we mentioned there that you know the position he was on the road third on the road very difficult in these loose conditions but can you remember a rally he's he's driven better I don't know which one is the best but I, I definitely seen him drive really well many many years ago even like 2011 when we did the S2000 uh, um, whatever the championship post at the time and he was doing some really, really good, amazing uh, events there. So I think that was good. But then there was some rougher, rougher um, times after that. And uh, now it's, it's all coming together nicely. And uh, I think there's been quite, quite few good rallies. So I don't know which one is the best. But it doesn't matter if you win. Uh, is it the best or the second best? So the result is good anyway. Last year we saw him win in Germany. Uh, obviously in the Fiesta then. He's... He's got a chance to, to win Germany, obviously, again the next round. What do you think is, is possible for the rest of this year in terms of rally wins and the championship for him? I mean, he has had quite a tough beginning of the season. Uh, a lot of zero points almost. So let's hope those are 
done for the year and uh, it can only do good results from now to, until the end of the year and if that happens then I think everything is possible but I think it makes sense to go step by step uh, rally at a time not, not worry about any, any long term plans We are 15 years on from your, from your great victory how, how does it feel to reflect on another, another Estonian is it a little bit sadness because you're not now the only Estonian to win this, this great event or what's your feelings uh, I, I, I don't think there's any sadness <laughs> it's it's more like uh, for me, sort of relief or uh, joy to, to see him doing well and, and winning a special rally like that. So I, I think it has shown that the time and the effort that is put into into making him a good driver is is paying off, and uh, we managed to come back with a, another Estonian and, uh, and beat the Finn. So that's um, that's uh, good enough, I think. And how? How good can he be? You know, you you won five, he's won four. Do we do we expect that he's going to overtake you? And then could he could he be a world champion? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he must must do better than me. He must win more than uh, me because next generation always should do better than the previous one. Otherwise, we are not really improving as a human being. So it's I I, I fully expect him to to beat my whichever records or, or achievements you want to take. So. If not, then I would say it's a failure. But it's great because, you know, we've watched... I've watched him mature as a, as a driver and I've seen those ups and downs. You know, he was essentially kicked out of M-Sport twice and, and you helped and his speed got him back in with Malcolm twice and he got that opportunity and he's delivered. But as great a driver as he is, he's, he's become a great character as well, a really good guy, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that that, that has been the, uh, the challenge, actually. Uh, I think the speed has been there more or less all the time or, or okay we managed to make make him go quite fast on the roads in Estonia and then he, he managed to carry on that on the world rallies um, but I think what was been missing is the maturity and, and sort of sort of seeing the bigger picture and that unfortunately has taken uh, longer than expected and, and uh, been stressful at times for everybody but uh, now it seems like he's, he has pulled everything together what's what's needed to do good results so that's that's great that it finally happened and how big in estonia i mean this will be big news we've seen thousands of, of probably more estonian flags and finnish flags over here how big will this be back at home I mean, every every win is is a big news in uh, Estonia because we don't really have so many international uh, sports people. So I think to have somebody win world rallies, I think it's it's a, it's a big news. Yeah. And will will you follow him? Do you come to Germany? How much more will we see of you this season? Uh, no, I don't come to so many rallies. I, I come to the rallies when we have um, our Japanese drivers. Um, participating then it's more likely to see me an event but or if there is some special need for for it then i would come but i I don't come to every rally perfect thank you marco well thanks david evans both for today and for those uh, those previous uh, discussions it's been great to really have a uh, dig back into wrc we promise it won't be quite so long before we return to it you promise on the old sport podcast well it depends promise. when we can get you get you uh, get you near a microphone doesn't it it's yeah. uh, it's a busy schedule uh, going on we'll see me at grand prix and you at uh, you at wrc there's uh, there's there's not many uh, days working but yeah we're we're resolved to uh, to not leave rallying for so long in the future 
Uh, so please check out autosport.com, all the latest news on WRC, Formula One, all the rest of the world of motorsport on our plus subscriber area, where you can see all sorts of in-depth features by our star writers, such as David Evans. Now, now can we go back to Formula 1000 at Longcross? Yes, I, I think I've finished third in class. I've got a couple of, I've really? got a couple of stage wins. Have you still got a trophy? No, I don't know whether there was a trophy. But I did. Uh, I did start out. Pa- I did start out pacing uh, a certain Jim Holder. Oh, really? In, in class. Now in that's the, a podcast, isn't half. it? And my greatest satisfaction, I managed to affect some roadside repairs. Excellent. Proper rally. Yeah. Well, I had a throttle. Well, it, it, it made me look quite clever, but because I had a throttle stuck open, and I thought well, that's not very good. But it actually turned out that I just managed to jam the, the throttle because um, I was sort of pressing across it because I've got yeah. big feet and yeah. I pressed pedals at all sorts of weird angles and I sort of pushed it sideways and it got jammed in <laughs> beside the thing. So I thought the throttle stuck open and the throttle had fallen down, but actually it was just jammed. A wide jammed open throttle at Longcross could stop, be yeah. quite lively. So it's brilliant. It? So I stopped, fixed it, and I thought, I've done some running repairs. Of course, it wasn't anything. It was just a jammed pedal. Well, it was. Uh, it, it made me It made me feel like I was a real rally driver. And you are. Well, there we go. Just uh, Absolutely. Yeah, most, most of my experience is, uh, is driving around in the midfield in circuit racing, but it's uh, good fun to do. I'd recommend everyone try it. And Formula 1000 is still going, isn't it? It is, so yeah. So that's, that's, that's as cheap as you can do it. So Absolutely. It's, it's uh, well worth doing. Um, so yes, where was I? Yeah, getting back to telling people, I said, Autosport Magazine, out every Thursday, F1 Racing out monthly, and also check out sister site, motorsport.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.